All right, you are now tuned in to the follow through with Clips and Drew, the true players podcast, episode 183. Paul Pierce gets live on live. Andre Drummond, Boogie Cousins, and Rajon Rondo all make their LA debut. And the Point Zion project is taking off in New Orleans. It's the follow through with Clips and Drew. Drew, give me that intro music. What up, podcast world? What's up, everybody? You know what it is. You know where you're at. It is the follow through with Clips and Drew, the True Players Podcast, episode one eight tray one eighty three. Drew. Yep, one eighty three. One eighty three. Um, we're on the back end of the NBA season. We got about twenty twenty five games left for most most squads. Uh, we're gonna talk Clippers and Lakers. We're gonna talk some Zion talk, Denver talk. Uh, I, we got to start with dumbass Paul Pierce. Like I think I think that's the hottest topic of the week, Drew. All right. And it's wild because I actually hopped on the live. Like I saw he was going live and I'm like, You were on Instagram? Yeah. Yeah. And immediately I said, What the fuck is he doing? Right? Can you break it down for people that aren't aware? Okay. For people that and some people hadn't seen the video. Right. Paul Pierce is obviously having a poker night with his boys at the crib. Right. Uh blatantly smoking l's just blunts <laughs> uh, blunts he's high as hell you could tell red eye mr red eye he's got strippers twerking behind him yeah and he's doing nothing to hide it okay no. like absolutely nothing right even a girl like so, there people were were commenting like you know when you can comment in on live sessions and like some girl named Megan like said something and Paul Pierce is like, "Oh, Megan, you should be over here. You can make some money." So obviously he's <laughs> obviously he's like telling these girls to come over and dance. Now look. ESPN, all right? And people already do, I love Paul Pierce. We know this. I have told I do you, not. You you know that I love Paul no, Pierce. No, but I do no, not. No, you do not. I hate obviously Paul Pierce. this the Celtics connection, Lakers, like you're not supposed to like Celtics. I love Paul Pierce, all right, as a player. I defend him on this show almost as much as Paul George and Zach Levine, okay? <laughs> um, he is not the best ESPN analyst, and we're seeing with a lot of these former pros, right, that a lot of them aren't that good. And it's it's been blatantly obvious to me that Paul Pierce doesn't put any effort or work into it, right? right. Like a lot of people might not like Chris uh, Chris Weber uh, or, or Grant Hill, for that matter. Both of them are very good, okay? They put a lot of time in, in, in prep. Chris Webber has gotten better. Yep. All right. Reggie Miller's very good. I like him. And yeah. pe- people can say what they want about well, Chuck. There's a difference between studio show and and then broadcasting right. the game. Right. So C Webb and I think Grant and I think uh who was the other guy that you just mentioned? I was just talking Reggie, Reggie. Oh, Reggie. Mm-hmm. Reggie. Those those guys found their nit their little niche by actually being at the game and broadcasting the game alongside you know, the, the play-by-play guy. And I think those guys are, are nice. And I do think all three of them have gotten better since they've started that path. But studio guys like Paul Pierce, who is not good enough to be on in the game and reporting, you know, next to a no. play-by-play, they use the studio guys to just provide some analysis so that Rachel Nichols has a little bit more, you know, <laughs> people to kick it to. And I think out of that group, we've seen a huge rotation to your point, like yeah. in the last 10 years, there's been a, 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 just a number of retired guys that ESPN has gone. Let's see who hits. It's mm-hmm. almost like they're drafting to retired the, players. Like who's going to be the next who Chuck? can be. Yeah. Who mm-hmm. can be, you know, Chuck and who can be Shaq, who can be Kenny. Mm-hmm. And then for, you know, for ESPN, they've had this like kind of revolving door thing. 
And Paul Pierce for a minute had that nice role. So go ahead. Well, just there's a lot of takes that this guy makes that, you know, the whole D Wade thing. Um, I think he did get, you know, saying that he's better than D Wade, obviously like you can make an argument for it if you want, but again, you don't say that. Uh, I think he gets picked on a lot by his, by his coworkers as well. Like Jalen gets in his ass sometimes. Rich, Richard Jefferson, Richard Jefferson, who's really, he's also good too. I, he's funny. I think Rich is, is really hitting stride with that. Definitely. And he plays it off that he's like a rookie at it and like. He said the other night, like, I, I might be a full-time podcaster soon if I, <laughs> if I don't get this right. But back to what you were saying, like, they tried that Area 51 with KG, and it just doesn't work. Right. Well, that was TNT, too. TN- I'm I just mean, talking about all these former guys. The studio I think you shows. can just step into this space, and it's not that easy. And and you do have to do your prep, man. You got to know your players. You got to know, you know, offenses and defenses and, and, and people's tendencies and all this stuff. You got to want to – D. Wade's been good, too. You right? have to watch the games. Right. Okay. Yeah. And so – Back to Paul Pierce, obviously taking that job seriously is, you know, farther down on the list when you're having strippers at your house and smoking trees. And okay, I think that you have to know you're getting fired. All right, I, I'm all for smoking weed, guys. Blaze up, smoke, have strippers, it's, have fun. It's legal. You deserve it, Paul. You had a great career. You've got a bunch of money. Live your life, man. Yeah. And a lot of people in our comments said the same thing. Let this guy live. Let him live. I'm like, okay. ESPN is a Disney company. Yeah. You can't do that for Disney. You can't. <laughs> and I'm perfectly, I told you, I, I, I've told you before and I've said on the show a few times, like, I do not like seeing how many players are just so blat- again obvious with the smoke and weed. Like we get it, Matt Barnes and Steven Jackson, you smoke all the time. It's your shtick. It's like what that's fine. And I'm sure a bunch of these NBA players are smoking. I know for facts they're smoking. I used to smoke with them. So it's, yeah, yeah, you can do that in the NBA now. You, you can. Players can do that. But you can't do it on live. And you can't do it um You can't do you can do it as a player. You can't do it as an employee of Disney right. and ESPN. I think that's the major difference. I think if Paul Pierce is still in the league and this video goes out, he's fined, maybe suspended. But it's probably not even, maybe not even a story. I mean, it, it's always going to be a story, right? Because in the NBA, there's very little things happening, right? It's, it's kind of a, a dead period where everyone's either injured or resting or, you know, every game I turn on, somebody's missing from the lineup that I was expecting to watch. Um, and I think coupled with the fact that we're in that weird spot, then Paul Pierce goes goes on Instagram Live, and it's it becomes a, a huge talking point. Um, and I'm not surprised that he was fired. No, I think. But on the other hand, I think he personally sabotaged this. I think he wanted out of his ESPN deal. Interesting. I don't think he's dumb. Like I think you're smart. You know you're going on live doing this, right? Mm-hmm. And you know there's going to be repercussions for it. This just can't go out, and, and Disney just sweeps it under the table because he is expendable too. Like we can get rid of you. That's like, the other side of right. this. Never in his life would would this have cost him his career until now, mm-hmm. right? I mean, maybe you know at one one stage in the NBA in the in the early 2000s, thousands you know if if him and Rashid Wallace were I don't know recorded a video of themselves and put it up somewhere on the internet of them smoking weed it probably would have gotten trouble Mm. but his job security for his whole life was fucking very very close to a hundred percent job security because he was performing as a player and then he goes to this new (laughs) this new role with ESPN got to be one of the best jobs in in the world you're only working for an hour or maybe two hours uh, a day unless you're Stephen A. Smith right well no I'm, but I'm talking about the players right. right like those guys you know Rachel Nichols and the, and the hosts of those shows the ones that are journalists the ones that are you know constantly on every day and having to prep the show and do all that stuff you know these guys 
come in and they just give their opinions. They're there for an hour or two and then they bounce. So it's like one of the best jobs you can possibly have. And for you to be a, a big of an, as big of a name in order to even like apply for the job and even be considered means that you're already in a small bracket, but there is a ridiculous number of re- former NBA players that are trying to break into this field because it is a great job because they do know what they're talking about. And I don't think Paul took it seriously. And I do think kind of to the point that you're making, it, it may have only been a matter of time before this was done mm-hmm. because there's only so many of these jokes that can be made at your expense when you're supposed to be this expert, when you're just clearly wrong <laughs> and making ridiculous calls. Uh, you know, I think Charles Barkley gets away with it because Charles makes outlandish statements and they're funny. But when you listen to his analysis, he, like you said, preps, he watches these games. He watches all the time and he gives his, you know, I think pretty valid points on what has happened in these games. It's, it's when he goes to the predictions, Charles is who I'm right. talking about. When Charles starts to predict stuff, it doesn't work that way and, it, and it's humorous. Uh, but that's also kind of the, the levity of the show in general for the TNT show. They have that moment where you want to laugh. You want to hear Charles mm-hmm. say that, you know, uh, the Orlando Magic is going to win a championship in three years. And, and he didn't say that. That's just like an example. Right. Whereas the jump presents itself a little bit more in the serious side. Now, when you bring in Richard Jefferson, you bring in Perk, you bring in some of these guys that are very comfortable being light and cracking jokes. I think that's when the, that's when the jump or those ESPN shows are at their best. And Paul just wasn't, he was never one of those guys that, that really looked like he was going to fit in to me. It <laughs> right. just never seemed that way. So I think despite you know this being the number one reason that they're letting him go, I don't think he would have made you know, a much more, much longer career out of ESPN unless he decided to take it as seriously as he did his, his, uh, his playing. It's also, you know, it's also an opportunity for these players to still say relevant, you know what I mean? And like have a voice and, and, you know, Paul Pierce could have used, if he took it seriously, could he use, I mean, it's an opportunity you and I would love to have. Right. Sure. And even going back to perk, like I'm not a huge perk guy, but Perk stays on the grind. And he knows what he's talking about. He knows what he's talking about. So um, what's funny is, you know, Paul Pierce came out like the next morning laughing. He was posting videos like, you know, just I'd be smiling too, bro, if I've made $180 He doesn't have to worry about it. You don't. But then he already gets approached by an adult site. um, (laughs) What's it called? Cam Soda. They approached him and offered him 250 k because they want to start a new NBA show with exotic dancers, right? Yep. And I'm like, okay. That's a great opportunity. That's a horrible look for you, bro. If you want to go from the jump in ESPN to doing some some low grade porno NBA show, okay. Like, How many people are going to that porno site? Going, I really, you know what? I want to listen to Cam Soda. I want to know. I, I'm here on Cam Soda. You know, let's check out. I, you know, recently I've been watching the NBA. Let's check out what Paul Pierce has to, Paul Pierce has to say. And just no graphics. I'll just be able to kind of watch the dancers. And he's just smoking weed with strippers. And right. I'm like, okay, dude. Uh, I don't know. I think he, and another thing was there was only 350 people on his live session. So maybe his social media skills aren't as great as they were. I just think it's a bad look, man. I also do think maybe because of the fact that his social media following isn't that significant. And he's also, I would say, you know, anybody who's in their forties has got to be relatively new to the social media thing. I think he thought it wasn't going to be that big of a deal because IG live, you know, like those things, I correct me if I'm wrong. You can't, you can save them, but they don't like they're done when they're done, right? Like you can record them and save them, and you can automatically post, post them. it, right? Or you can just let it go, right? And and it's gone forever. Or those three hundred fifty people can screenshot screen record it. you, of course. No, and, no, no. I, but my point is, mm. I don't think he thinks that that was going to happen. 
I think he was like, yo, this is dope. This is a dope I'm night. having a great time this with my friends right This is a great time. Now. I want this to be, sh- I want to share this with the world. And I don't think he took that moment seriously as as being like, this is something know why, Drew? that could get me fired. Do you want to know why? Why? Because he was high. Yeah. He was high as hell. He, he was, was like, having an awesome idea. time. I want to show everybody how awesome this is. <laughs> I'm jealous I wasn't there. It looked like a fantastic I know, time. I I'm good at poker as well. I, I happen to be quite good at poker. So Are you? I would have taken his money and ran. They look they had the they had the Hennessy going, they had the blunts. Especially they if they're high and they're drunk. Yeah, I'm, I'm taking, taking all of their money. <laughs> uh but you know, in our comments a lot of people kind of got you know, they were just going to his defense. And I'm again I'm all for that, but like Come on, dude. Let's have some common sense. Just know your situation. Right. And, I, you know, it's pretty clear. I think if anybody, like if, for instance, if, if Rachel Nichols or somebody along those lines, uh, you know, for ESPN, one of these hosts, if Woj had posted a video of him doing the same thing, I think it would have been kind of the, the same exact response. Like, you, you can't do that. But again, you're in a, you're in a room with your friends, too. Right. Where are your homies that are saying, yo... Put the phone away. Yeah, that's probably not the best look, Put the dog. phone away. Unless, unless you're Paul Pierce going into that situation saying, look, dude, I'm about to get fired. Like, yeah. the whole goal is I want to get fired and totally. get out of this ESPN contract because Cam Soda <laughs> really wants me. And I don't know what Cam Soda is. I've never heard of him never. before, before but, this. But they got 250 k to pay Paul Pierce. Good so for them. Um, all right, so. Paul Pierce, only fans coming soon. <laughs> probably. Um, we had Clippers-Lakers this week. We had the, oh, the LA showdown on Sunday. And I got to say something, Drew, man. I mean, obviously, I was looking forward to the game. I'm lo- I look forward to every Clippers <laughs> Well, yeah, game. especially when you can get a win. Well, yeah. But it was li- I didn't text you the whole game because, you know, I was I felt so bad for the Lakers. Like, four minutes into the game, this was the first game all season, actually in a long time for me, where I'm like, you know what? I probably want to watch Netflix because it was <laughs> horrible. I mean, just the the amount of shots that I mean, there was no offense for the Lakers whatsoever. None. Kuzma was airballing free throws. Yep. Okay. Uh, throwing it off the side of the backboard, it was ugly, Drew. And again, you lost Drummond in his first game with a toenail, so kind of you know the chips aren't falling in your favor right now. But did you take anything away from that game? No, 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 absolutely not. <laughs> oh no, I I mean. It was also, it's one of those matinee games too, the Sunday like nooner, where it can go one of two ways. That was the same, I believe it was a Sunday noon game that you guys lost by 50, right? We're not good at the nooners, No, I, 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 I understand why the NBA is like, cool, let's get a West Coast noon game going on a Sunday because, you know, it's three o'clock on the East Coast. It's Easter Sunday too. Easter Sunday, let's get it on there. But it, I, I, I would love to see the stats of how many of those games result in a, just a complete and utter blowout because... Sunday nooners, bro. Like that's got to be such a shit game to get prepped for, especially considering for the Lakers. Like we're looking around, we're like, oh, cool. Drummond out after five seconds playing in his first game. No AD, no LeBron. Wesley Matthews also out. Like how long's he out? For? I, well, he played actually. He played oh, uh, he? last night against Toronto, okay. so he's back. Um, but it's like it was just like, oh fuck. Like we're <laughs> we 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 lost some games. We we did we had won some we won some games going into that, which was awesome. We had, that was just by the luck of our schedule having to play Sacramento you beat? Uh we beat Sacramento, we beat uh Orlando, and we beat Cleveland. Some some heavy hitters right Big there. Big hitters. Uh <laughs> they're still dubs though. I'm taking it. Well, absolutely. And and that, you know, without a without <laughs> without question, I you know, when we were talking, I think it was two pods ago about like af- right after LeBron got injured, what would, you know, best case scenario out of the next 10 games. And we've won more games than I thought. I said five and five would be great. And you weren't expecting I, that. No way did I expect five and five, but the schedule did help us. Right. So yeah, we, we, we beat Cleveland, we beat Orlando, we beat the teams that are terrible 
and we're getting lucky that those those games were scheduled during this time. But now this next run, we have a, a very serious run of games. I mean, after the we we did we beat Sacramento two days before that, before we lost to you, and we beat Toronto last night. But then our schedule is thick uh, coming up: Miami, Brooklyn, the Knicks, Charlotte, Boston, Utah twice, Dallas twice. Mm. All of those games we could lose. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, you know, there is there is still a chance that LeBron comes back, you know, maybe or what AD. Are you hearing? Or are you AD. hearing anything? Nothing. Right. No, no. They're very, very quiet. Mm-hmm. Um, LeBron seems to be moving fine. I mean, he's just like on the sideline. He's not – I haven't seen him take a shot. I I think they're going to play this. We're playing the long run mm-hmm. on this. You know, we're not, we're not tripping up and trying to get him out there just so we can – you know, beat you don't a, need to a sell Charlotte tickets, right? team. You don't need to sell tickets. Well, soon enough, we will be able to sell tickets, which is nice. California was just cleared to have some some fans in, in stadiums, which I know this is a little bit behind for a lot of our Midwest and, and Southern teams that have had fans for, for months now. Uh, but that, that is a big deal for us uh, that we will be able to have fans, both the Clippers and Lakers, uh, going down the stretch. That game, specifically going back to the Clipper-Laker game, it, it that was the first time that watching an NBA game felt like homework to me. I felt like, yeah, this felt like, you know, uh, sophomore, sophomore year of high school where I'm doing algebra two and I'm like, I don't want to, I don't want to do this. I'm not, I don't want to do this homework. This is terrible. And I'm watching that game and I'm just like, this is, I have to watch this. Uh, but nothing can be taken away from that game <laughs> for the Lakers. Um, and I think for the Clippers, the same thing. I mean, it's good that you guys beat us, right? And, and it's good for you guys that... It wasn't competitive because it shouldn't have been. You had your your guys are running. Uh, you're still. I think at that point you were still missing Ibaka and Beverly. Well, it was Rondo's. It was Rondo's, Rondo's debut. debut. Game, and I kind of want to bring something up about that because he okay. looked horrific. All right, he looked horrific. Yeah, a little he rusty. Had, well, he had four turnovers in twelve minutes. Yeah. Right. Um. And again, first game jitters. Uh, I, I expected him to do better, and he did not. And then we played Portland last night in a great game. Um. Clippers came out just. I think we we, we were nine for nine in our first nine shots. Wow. Uh, we set a franchise record 47 points in the first quarter. Like, Holy shit. That's a lot. Yeah. Uh, Paul George had 22 in the first. Um, it was a really great game. Pat Bev came back and played. He started, and that's something that we brought up. Like I think I thought Reggie Jackson, who was the second leading scorer last night because mm. he, he crushed. Uh, Pat Bev is on minutes restriction. They're going at 20 minutes a game, so he, you know five a quarter. So Reggie was in quick. Reggie came off second and then Rondo third. This was also Boogie's. We signed Boogie to a 10-day. Uh, which will probably turn out to uh, you know a full season, the rest of the season. Um, so we got to see Boogie play. I was excited to see him. First of all, you forget how how big Boogie is. He's a big guy. He's a big dude. Ibaka's yeah. still out. I think we're we're going to uh, you know play it play it safe with Ibaka. Uh, and Zubac's been playing so well. But the first thing I know, first of all, his first possession he dunked it. Like it was a drop off dunk. They called a foul though, a, a blocking foul early. So. Uh, his second shot was a layup, and his third shot was a was a long two pointer. He looked great. One thing that that struck out to me in the word that I kept saying was like, it looks like he's laboring, laboring when he runs. Right, he's really flat footed now. Pain almost. No, just it's very flat footed and not froggy at all, and just uh, he looks slow. Well, game shape, right? Totally, and I think it's going to take some time. Yeah, he's got to get his legs under him. Right. You can run miles for for days when you're when you're not playing in the mm-hmm. NBA, but then the pace of playing in a game. You know that'll take you. That'll take you a little while to get used to. Right, and this is the fourth team that Boogie and Rondo are playing on. And Rondo again didn't have a great game yesterday. Um, I think we're looking. It's going to take him some time, but I think the addition of Boogie is going to be good. Going to be really good for us. Um, it was a great game. We we really play, and I don't like jinxing this at all because I don't like to jinx J- Dame Lillard at all ever. But 
he was clamped up yesterday. I mean, Pat Bev was playing him. He, they call him Mr. 94 feet, and that's exactly what he did. Yeah, he um, a terrible shooting night from, for from what I saw. Well, he didn't get much off either. Right, like 14 he only, shots. He took yeah. seven in the first half, yeah. which is very undame-like. CJ had a great game. Uh, another dude that I would love to have on my team is Enos Cantor. Like, give me Enos Cantor <laughs> on my team all day. You know he's the number one second shot getter in the NBA? Behind Zion? Second shot getter. He, he gets more than Zion. Really? Yeah. Offensive second, rebounds? Second chance points. Wow. Is Enos Cantor. Yeah, he's and, a workhorse down there. And we're going to talk about Zion in a little bit too. But I, I like that game. I think that's going to be a – and, you know, there was a drama in the bubble with Dame and Pat Bev and, and Paul George. And I think there's definitely some, you know, some issues going on there. They squashed that beef. But Paul George had a great game. Kawhi had like the Kawhiatist 27, 11, and, and 8 because he wasn't having a great game at all. And then you look at the stat sheet at the end of the night and you're like, damn, Reggie, Reggie was great. Um, but yeah, I think Boogie is going to be, you know, part of our rotation and I just hope, you know, Ibaka gets back soon cause it's killing me. Well, I, I think with, with Ibaka being out and Zubak playing so well, it was, it's important for you guys to bolster that, that roster the same way that, you know, the Nets and the Lakers have, right. And it, and it just provides you with the depth that you need because heaven forbid, one of those guys goes out, whether it's a recurring injury for a back for Ibaka or, you know, Zubak can can sprain his ankle very easily, you know, going going up for a rebound or something like that. It's always better to have depth, and you didn't have it before. And Demarcus, as we've seen, like in spurts, he can contribute. I think really well. It's just he was ten and seven in in, in Houston. And I yeah, I just I just think you know if he can get his legs under him and actually play like it would be great if you do sign him for the rest of the season if if he can actually stay healthy for the rest of the season, right? Because that'll be the big thing, right? If if you sign, you're most likely going to sign him to another ten day contract before you have to either waive him or sign him to a, a, a season long deal, the remaining of the season deal. It would be great to see him be able to just contribute, come off the bench for whatever ten, fifteen minutes a game, and play and get his legs under him, so that when the when the time comes in the playoffs, you you feel comfortable going to him if. Ibaka's injured or there's foul trouble. Zubak gets in foul trouble. Yeah, all that stuff. So I, I think it was a solid move for you guys. Um, and the Lakers actually end up picked up. We, we picked up Ben McLemore. Benny Mack. Ben McLemore. Uh, Shooter. Which is which is a nice pickup for us. We, we had an extra roster spot. I think it's a good wing spot. And we still, we're still fucking looking for the guy who can th- play the 3 and D wing. And every time we get one of these guys, it's like, oh, cool. I've said it a bunch. He's a 37% three-point shooter. Fantastic. Let's see if it actually works when he's on this Laker team because God knows you're going to get some open looks. You just got to be able to knock him down. Once you're, once the, the full roster is healthy, yeah, he's going to have a lot. Yeah. Well, even now, like even the way that we're playing, we're, we're actually moving the ball pretty well. I, I mean, that Clipper game was just – it was just it was a atrocious. catastrophe. You know uh, what you need to go for in what? free agency, dude? Who's you, that? You got to go for DeMar DeRozan. Like you – Well – He's going to – he said he's going to play the free agency field – and we just don't have very much money. Yeah, that's true. So that's the thing is like, is Demar looking to come home? Fuck yeah! Like, I will if we can if we can make a sweet deal, a little home hometown discount, <laughs> and get him in for there are no discounts. And slide him in to where we need to be. Then I'm in for that. Uh, I will say though, you know, picking up Macklemore is is nice. I think the kid still has some pretty good potential. He's I, so young. Uh, he's still pretty young. Uh, and, you know, it just ha- – I think Houston, where he, with Harden there, he really found a rhythm mm-hmm. and was playing great for them. And I hope he can bring that same kind of energy uh, and efficiency to the Lakers. But it did – it reminded me of, of something that I wanted to bring up on the last pod when we were talking about buyouts and trade deadlines and all that stuff is I'm a little upset that the Lakers – 
didn't throw their hat in the ring for Fournier or for Oladipo, considering how cheap those guys went. And while McLemore is nice, he's not as the same player of, as Fournier and certainly not the same player as Oladipo when Oladipo is playing his best. But that to me was a little concerning. It's like, look, if we're gonna if Fournier is going for two second rounders, let's see what we can get mm-hmm. for Fournier because that would have like, been. Did you even try? That's like, what I'm we, saying. Like, right. why wouldn't we have you know that? And to me, you know, maybe maybe you know our front office had very much our eyes and our focus on Andre Drummond, and I, I, it's very possible that because of that, the blinders were on, and we were thinking, well, if Drummond goes somewhere else, we're gonna have to make a play for somebody else. So maybe that's what they were focused on. But you know, part of your job is to be able to spread that open, get that vision as wide as possible, and go. Let's see if we can pick somebody off here who can not only help us in the playoffs, but help us right fucking now win games that are going to be kind of crucial as we get down to the last 10 games of the year. We're, we're going to be in a dogfight now mm-hmm. uh, at the end of the season to, to scrap every win out. And uh, I'm, I was a little disappointed that we weren't like, hey, how about three second rounders? Like, what the <laughs> fuck have we ever done with our second round picks? Really? Like, considering the fact that we do have a couple playing like Taylor Horton Tucker, I think, you know, Caruso was undrafted, but like, Really, how often are you hitting a home run with your second round pick? Not too Maybe fucking Gene often. Is, Genie's just stockpiling them. So to me, it just didn't. I mean, and I, I know that we gave up a lot of picks. I know that we did that, obviously, as a part of the Anthony Davis trade. But to me, that was like, fuck. I mean, would they have taken Wes Matthews? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like Wes and, Matthews. And a second rounder. Wes Matthews in for, for Fournier and a second rounder. Like, right. like, why wouldn't we have, I don't know, try to work that out a little bit better? Uh, however, I. I I think it's a nice addition considering the options that are remaining in the NBA. I think McLemore can come in and immediately compete for, uh, you know, a starting role in, in this particular lineup until Anthony Davis and, and LeBron are back. Um, and who knows if he proves himself, you know, uh, efficient enough. I think it's very, he can be really like down the stretch playing a lot of minutes for us. If he, if he can be the consistent three point, <laughs> three and D guy that we've been fucking waiting for. Uh, Danny Green, Wes Matthews have both struck out this thus far, so we'll see if this guy can step up to the plate and uh, and actually do that for us. You know who's scary, and I've been watching them, and I said they were going to be scary, and you did too. But Denver, man, Denver's eight and two in their last ten. They've won six in a row. They since Aaron Gordon's gotten there. I mean, they've won four uh, since he's been there. MPJ's numbers have gone up. I mean, for the season, he's at almost 17, seven and a half and one assist. And then the past four games with Aaron Gordon being there, he's 20.5. He's 32 of 53 shooting nine, nine and a half rebounds a game. They're just deep and scary and athletic. And they're exactly what, and they kicked our ass last week. You know, we had no answer for them, even though we weren't full with Ibaka and Pat Bev and, and everybody else, but they look really good, Drew. And they are going to be, these playoffs are going to be wild. For Denver, it's it's beautiful to see Gordon fitting in so seamlessly, uh, and I think that really does speak to the talent level that that they're playing with in Jokic. I mean, Jokic is just he's just balling right now, like it's insane. And in, in the last two games, he hasn't even made a three pointer, and he's just been just triple double in like sixteen assists in one game. Right. It's just like fuck, man, this guy is so damn good. Um, and I I just I think it was th- I, I said it on the last one. I think it's the most impactful trade made during this trade deadline. Um, even more than PJ Tucker, who I, I haven't seen on the court because right. he's out with a calf problem now. Uh, I, I do think that Aaron Gordon changes a lot of things. It's like, it's, it's almost like turning the clock back on Millsap to me. It's like they got like a seven year younger version of Paul Millsap. That's the way I look at it. And I think that's what they needed, you know, and that's why Jeremy Grant was so valuable to them. Uh, Regardless of that, Denver is right now sitting in the four seed. They're on six wins in a row, as you mentioned. 
Um, I don't see them slowing down anytime soon. I think they're just going to get better. Um, and I do think that this is now where we typically see Jamal Murray start to ramp his game up. So it would be nice to see not only the consistent, unbelievable play from Jokic and these, you know, MPJ, Gordon, uh, Barton, all these other guys, you know, playing and, and, and scoring and playing well uh, on defense. It would be nice to see Jamal start popping up and getting these 30, 40 point games as you know, if you're a Nuggets fan, as you're going into the playoffs and actually, you know, make a fucking make another run to the Western conference finals. Um, I, I wouldn't be shocked if they're able to do that. Uh, they're 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 a really well built and well coached team. And Aaron Gordon came in the locker room the other night and said, "These are the easiest buckets I've ever gotten." Yeah, like, and, and that's what we said. Joker's going to have a new toy in Aaron Gordon. He's going to make it so easy for this guy. I just think the athleticism with MPJ and with Gordon. Now they're going to have to come to a crossroads at the end of the season, though. Like, what's what's going to happen with Aaron Gordon? And then, like, do you offer uh, MPJ his extension, his rookie extension? Now, like Trey and Luca are going to get super max extensions, right? I think it's 163 over five years, something like that. Mm -hmm. And then MPJ will probably be in like the Jalen Brown category with 130. And then I think with these numbers, you got to give it to him, man. You got, you got to pay in. But again, Jamal Murray had a huge deal. Jokic has a, has a huge deal. And then are you going to invest in Aaron in, uh, in MPJ? And I think the answer is yes. Yeah. And so Aaron still has an extra year on the back end Gordon does it has the has one one more year on his deal uh so that helps them because they won't have to they can stretch that out they don't have to pay him until the following season but I do think you know certainly when you're letting Jeremy Grant go you're like okay we're locked in MPJ is our guy and I do think when you look around the league there's very few players at his age Mm. that are as talented as him so I, I absolutely think they're going to fork out the cash, and it is going to be interesting. I mean, Denver has done so well for themselves in the draft that they've had to, in the last year especially, let a lot of guys go because they're just like, fuck, you all are playing so well, we have to let you go because we can't afford to keep all of you <laughs> right. guys, which is a hell of a problem to have because in most cases, people are just whiffing on draft picks, and, and franchises year after year are, are just screwing it up. So uh, it you know shouts to them. Uh, and the front office. They scare me, Drew. Uh, I mean, you yeah. don't want to see them in the no, first I, round. No, but I, you know, I, of course I don't want to see them in the first round uh, as a Laker fan, but I, I have ultimate confidence you in do. my team. You and all Laker fans do right well, now. Well, it's just because I still, like, as as bad as it is for the Lakers right now, I just, it's I feel like it's the same thing with the Nets. Like, we still haven't seen Kevin Durant. He's going to be playing his first game in, the, in like, two months tonight, supposedly, um, after James Harden went out with a, with a hamstring injury. Um, and I, it's just the same thing. We just assume, and I think it's a correct assumption that if those two teams are healthy, there's nobody's that that's going to compete. And I, I very much feel that way. Like, even though Denver got better and the Suns and Utah and the Clippers, uh, and you know, Portland at times is froggy. Like I just have ultimate confidence in the fact that with LeBron and Anthony Davis on the floor, even if our shooters aren't shooting, as we saw the whole bubble last year, like we, our shooters were not necessarily hitting other than Rondo. And then KCP stepped up huge for us uh, in quite a few games in, down the final stretch. Outside of those guys, we, you know, we were struggling to shoot threes. Um, I just feel very confident that nobody is going to beat us if we're, if we're 100% healthy. Uh, and that includes Jokic playing as good as he is. I just think now especially 
to guard Jokic, we have Drummond, we have Anthony Davis, we have Gasol, we have Harrell. Like, we can throw. What's up with Montrez getting kicked out every game? So now? that's something What's I did want to bring up. Please bring it up. In the last game against the, the Raptors, the Lakers shot the fucking lights out. It, we had nine threes in the first quarter, uh, which is insane. That's a lot for you. It's huge. And especially considering the group of players that is out there. Um, Shout out to Morris because he had a great game. He had one good game. It's his first like really good game. He had a really good game. He hit three threes, all three of them from the corner uh, in the first, in the first quarter. Um, And so (laughs) it was in the, I think it was in the second quarter. Um, We were, we were up big, like right from the get from the beginning. Toronto was just not, or Tampa was just not, they weren't mentally there. They also don't have Van Vliet right now, who's out with a hip injury, I believe. And so they were starting, you know, a bunch of, you know, a bunch of guys they just got, like Trent started and um, uh, OG Ananobi, Pascal, and, and uh, the, the, the lanky guy. I always call him Chris Broussard, but it's Boucher. Yeah, Chris Boucher. Boucher. I, that guy's Broussard. Yeah, I, I always do that. Uh, Boucher Toronto fans love him. And Bembry, mm-hmm. where they're starting five, right? So, which is like, cool. I think we have a chance against that, mm-hmm. right? <laughs> and I'm watching the game, and there's a there's kind of a fast break. OG Ananobi gets the ball up front, and, and Schroeder goes in for a hard foul. But it was a good foul. Like he, his left hand was. was all on the ball, mm-hmm. and it was he just tried to hold him down. I mean, it's, it's what a point guard does when he's about to get dunked on, right? So like, I'm not going to get dunked on. I'm going to slide down and hold him and make sure he can't get up. And then OG just does the full, like, I'm going to, like, lift your leg and, and kind of pile drive you a little bit into the ground out of complete nowhere. So I have a different take on that, though. Go ahead. I, I, so I, I watched the play a hundred times, um, and OG was, was trying to keep – or, sorry, uh, Dennis was trying to keep OG up, right, from falling, correct? Yeah, and they well, were so both he was cor- holding him. And, right. Yeah, he was just making sure that, that he, he – they, they ended without either of them going to the floor. Right, and then I think – OG was trying to keep uh, Schroeder up too, and Schroeder's 160 pounds soaking wet. Yeah, I don't think there was any malice in that play at all. Even though you are getting your ass kicked, he literally lifted his leg. I know, I know. He, I, with both hands, grabbed the, the leg but and he, lifted him. But immediately after, you see him like do like um, like he was trying to de-escalate it really quick. Um, I think as soon as he did it, he regretted it. Okay, that's the way that I look at okay. it. He did it, and he was like, "Fuck, I shouldn't have done that." Okay, I think that's the way that that because you're right. His reaction when it happened, it was like, "Oh, like I'm I'm chill, dude, shit. chill, right?" <laughs> but I I mean, without you can't tell me even as even as you're kind of coming to the ground, the, they were pretty much stopped, and he just lifted his leg up right. and, and turned and slammed him into the floor, and then Trez got tossed. So that this is the one thing I did want to bring up in regards to this. That was the throughout the entire game. That was the worst ref game I've seen in the NBA in a long mm. time. Are you sure about that? Because in a long a time, mm. and that it 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 started before that. But that play in particular, they they took forever to review this play. And let's just be honest, OG probably should have got ejected for that, and Schroeder probably should have got a flagrant one or something like that because that's you know, what they're calling now when you when you like wrap up a guy as he's trying to go up. That's probably what it should have been. But they felt the need to eject. Somebody like I, when I was watching it, because I was watching it live, I couldn't fucking fast forward through this bullshit that they were sitting at the table, just having a conversation for 15 minutes. It just felt to me like the refs were like, we're, we're going to toss OG, but we probably need to like level it out and toss. Trez. And we need to toss somebody from the Lakers. And they're like, well, we can't really toss Schroeder because he didn't do anything other than foul somebody. And Trez is doing what every good teammate 
does in that moment. Your boy, your boy just got like lifted off the ground and slammed into the floor. I'm going to run into that and be like, dude, what the fuck are you doing? Like, get away. Like, what is this? And th- it's to me, I'm surprised that a fight didn't break out. I mean, the NBA, it's very rare now for any punches to be thrown. But like that shit is completely intolerable. Like as a teammate that has been in situations like that before, I'm usually one of the first guys in that scrum to, to like to body up whoever just did that to my teammate. And I'm fully supportive of Harold to do that. But he didn't really do anything. He did. I mean, he came in hot. He, he came in hot and he pushed Jer- uh, Trent out of the way. Mm-hmm. But that was it. That Like, he just pushed Trent out of the way. And then you had, I don't know, six or seven. Like, Fred Van Vliet was on the court at one point of the Toronto Raptors bench flying off and coming into the scrum. None of those guys got ejected. Which you can't do. You can't do that. Right. None of they were they were on the opposite side of the floor. You're not allowed to step so like, foot on the floor. It's just that to me was a complete fuck up from the refs and then the rest of the game as well. Just god awful. Terrible refereeing. Um and yeah, so I mean the good news out of that game is that we won even though Trez got ejected. We had one of the best shooting nights as a team in a long time for us. But you know what? I Dude, I love Trez for that shit. And I think that's something he would have done for any team that he's ever been on. And that's part of the character and part of the player of Montrezl Harrell that you want on your team. Like every team should have an enforcer that's not afraid to get ejected. That's not afraid to yeah, we have know, six of throw them some blows. Right. <laughs> that, you that's to, our problem. You happen to have quite a few. <laughs> but I do, I do think that moment was great for Trez. And I think the refs were terrible. I think that in you know, knowing NBA refs, they do like before every game, like they have certain players that they're going to watch, you know, and Trez is a banger. And I think maybe one of those matchups where, you know, we got to keep this clean and whatnot. And I, I, I hate the 15 minutes to review anything. Like I'm completely over it. Right. You, if you're watching the play, as you're watching the play, you're a referee, just make the call. Yeah. Right. We don't need 15 minutes. And, and it did seem like it took them a long time to toss. Long Trez. time. And Trez was even over. It. And I think he threw up the deuces when he left. Yeah. Like, took off his here. jersey. I mean, but there was like legit, like they told him he was ejected. He came back and like LeBron was talking to the officials. Like it wasn't, it was ridiculous. Right. It just was, it was outrageous. None of it had to happen. Let OG get ejected or even I would, I would have been fine if he wasn't ejected flagrant one or right. whatever. Let's I'm just play. Let's just play the fucking game. Like, let's keep it going. Like, why do we have to always eject people? Well, I mean, that stems from, I mean, two weeks ago with Dwight Howard and Trez. Trez didn't know, get ejected on that one. He didn't. And that's, he probably should have. Like, no, what? no. Come on, man. Look, you get a certain amount of warnings, right? But and, that was all Dwight Howard. Well, he was the instigator, but I mean, Trez was, Trez was, was doing Tre- his thing He's not going to back down. I know. And I, that's the, that's the best part. I, I, I love that Dwight Howard, the day that he got his ring, got ejected. Was, I love that. It's the, the perfect, quarter. yeah, it's a perfect Dwight Howard moment. For something so petty. He, they, they both were so petty. Yeah, it was perfect. Old. It was perfect. <laughs> I, I thought, it, I actually thought it was very entertaining, um, and very petty, uh, from, from Dwight. But I, like, like, in that instance, Dwight Howard didn't need to be ejected. You know what I'm saying? Like, but they but they warned them so much. The referees were already over it in the first quarter. Right. So when you warn, 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 and then you purposely which is, walk which is right why, in front. Which is why I'm I'm fine with Dwight getting ejected. Okay. But I would have also been fine. Like, come on. Like, let's just clean it up. I'm going to give you, like, double tech. We'll double right. tech it. And if, then you know you're, you know you got one left. And if Dwight, if you do it again, you're gone. And I it was just, a primetime game, too. And, like, we're really going to just toss players right now first quarter? Like, come just, on. I, yeah. I just – I do think – there is, you know, Luca got the technical for for saying and one on the layup. Um, I mean, dude, if we're calling text for that, it's going to be a goddamn tech. Fa- it's like Billy Crystal. 
when he was the ref in that in that uh, from Paris with Love. Forget movie. Paris. Forget Paris mm-hmm. movie. That one of my Great favorite movie. scenes. It, but it feels like every game there's a potential. Yeah, every game that I watch there's a potential for a ref to go. You're out of here. Right. You're out of here. You're out of here. You want one too? You're gone. Like what? Well, we can't say and one anymore. That's what like, I'm saying. On, like and, and granted, I understand that every layup or every shot that is taken in the NBA the seems to be a, uh, yes there seems to be like an and one associated with every single shot taken LeBron and Kawhi are probably the biggest culprits of it all they do literally is you could name a player and i guarantee if we went back and watched their last layup literally top to bottom all of them would be like and one so look i just i understand that that has to like kind of stop a little bit as well but there has to be some some sort of medium you got to have some emotion it's sport man it's game Right, like you've been. These are you're on national TV. Like let us let us have some emotion. I understand banging on somebody and swinging your nuts in their face is is (laughs) you know uh, what's it called taunting. But you know let these dudes dunk and hang on the rim for a second. Right, I I do think that there like I said, there's a combination here of the refs being a little uh, too quick to go for the technical foul, and the combination of the the players screaming at them literally every time they touch the ball. Uh, you know, uh, you know, it sucks. I, I, I don't, I don't really see a way out of this place that we're in, uh, because you're not going to stop. The players aren't going to stop talking to the refs. And I think there has to be a better way. Like sometimes these refs, they feel like they're trying to be friends with the players or something like that. There's all these conversations happening all the time, all the time conversations with the refs. Like if there's a free throw, I swear to God, almost every ref is having a conversation with a player about the play that just happened or the two plays before, like watch the push in the back, watch the holding. I just, I don't know if we have to stop all of those conversations. They need to go back to the old school, like you're saying, where it's one player is the one that's able the to captain. talk to the ref. Like, listen, listen Kelly Oubre, yes. you're not going to come up and talk Let's to Let's talk to Steph. Right. I, maybe that's the way out of it because it just, it, it, it sucks. Mm-hmm. It does. It sucks. I don't want to see, like, we're already missing enough players <laughs> from games. Uh, the NBA product is suffering right now because of all the, all the lineups that are just not what you expect to see. When you're, when you're watching the Bucks and you're like, oh, Giannis didn't play in that game. That's why they lost by one to the Warriors. Or the Warriors got blown up by 53 points because Steph wasn't in there. It's like, on top of that, we're, already, we're also getting top players ejected in technical fouls that, that just... They, it, it, it seems avoidable to me, but I just don't know the way around it. So maybe that's something they should explore where you just have to stop they're gonna, the conversation. They're going to have to address it this summer, like when the season's over with the refereeing and, you know, the dialogue that you have with players the whole freaking time of the game. I, I totally agree with you. And what's funny is I'm, I, I don't mean to bring it back to the Clippers too, mm. but like Kawhi who literally says nothing. This guy doesn't get calls. I, he doesn't get as many calls as you'd expect. Sure. Paul, Paul George doesn't either. Like I, I, I don't know what it is um, about that. So maybe you need to start like talking to them more and getting in their asses because it seems like sometimes you're forcing the referee to make a call. Are you noticing – this is something I'm noticing – a lot more is there's a lot more late calls yeah like plays over you know foul. they're about to take it out of bounds then a foul you know because there was somebody that screamed or fell awkwardly or something like that like come yeah. on man yeah i do think also like with the with the review thing i think the refs are still like in every sport not just basketball but like in football and and i watch a lot of soccer as well like they're it the the review process is supposed to be helpful but in fact, it ends up like weakening the power that the refs feel like they have in the moment. Like they don't want, they, it's now instead of making a call and being like, this is what I saw or this is what I thought. It's like, I don't know if I saw that. I, I don't want to be wrong. And so then there's that delay that you're talking about. Hmm. Like, oh, was that a foul? Oh, maybe my partner's going to call it. Oh no. Oh shit. The ball, I, it missed. I'm going to call it. Like he didn't make it. So I'm going to call the foul now. 
I don't know how to fix it other than the fact I I do think this is probably inevitable where you just have you have the game being refed from Secaucus. Like they have all the screens and you got multiple refs in there watching each game and, and there's refs on the floor, but they have an earpiece and when they're told or when the light goes on, they blow a whistle and then they fix it that way. Which would suck also. It would. Because then, I mean, how quick... It would take even longer. How quick can they do that, right? Like, I just... I don't know... And I don't want refs to be gone either. Like, I think it's a... It's a human game. The human error is a part of things. Um, I, I, I enjoy um, that refs are able to make calls in the moment. And, and it sucks when they decide games. Or it sucks when they make bad calls. Uh, but I don't want it to go a different route. I still want there to be refs involved. But it just seems like, especially with technology, as it continues to advance, they got like 45 cameras in every stadium. Like, why not try and automate it a little bit more? Well, and now you're turning these West Coast games. People want to watch the Lakers. They want to watch the Clippers. And you know, <laughs> 1, 1 a.m. Yeah, your game's starting at 10 p.m. <laughs> in New York. And then these games are taking two hours and 45 minutes. Yeah. Like, nobody's staying up to watch the game. So hopefully they, you know, they can streamline it a little bit and make this a little easier on everybody. Um, really quick, I wanted to bring up that the the point Zion experiment is working. Oh, yeah. Okay? Mm. And Lonzo just, you know, he had eight threes the other night. His stroke is coming along great. Big game it, for Lonzo. It, it was. And I think it's a huge – this is what we've been asking about Lonzo. I want to see the confidence and start taking your shots. And that's exactly what he's doing. The confidence in his shot right now is looking really good. But Zion, 25 straight games with 20 points on 50% shooting. It's the, it's the, the tying Shaq for the most times doing it. He's probably going to beat it tonight when they play. Um, he's been phenomenal at the point position. Like I didn't even know how great of a passer this guy is. He's just turning into this huge, complete package that nobody can stop in the paint. And his handle is so smooth. And I think it's taken a lot of pressure off of Lonzo as well. Mm -hmm. But what, what Zion's doing right now is something special, man. Well, it took, fuck, it took, took long enough. I mean, geez, like they, He's Van, only played 60. Who are you talking about, Lonzo or Zion? Zion. Zion's only played 60 No, games. not what I mean by that. It took long enough for Van Gundy to be like, here, okay, cool. Like, let's do this. Like, let, let, You're the total package. Let's get him the ball. Let's get him the ball more. Right. It's like, wait, it, like when, they, when this season started, they're like, cool. Like, we'll have Brandon Ingram shoot most of the shots. Zion, you rebound the shots, and then you put him back in. Sometimes we'll run a lob for you. Mm -hmm. And it was like, that'll work for a little bit. Uh, actually, no, it's not working at all because... Nobody's playing defense. That's a whole nother story. Like story, it doesn't. It also, side note: the Pelicans, I don't think, are going to make the playoffs. They're in the eleventh spot. Man. Yeah, they're five and five in their last ten. I don't think they're going to make the playoffs, which is a travesty because I want to see who makes it in. What's the what's ten. the plan? It's ten. ten. So it's Golden State, man, and they're only they're a game and a half ahead of the Pels. And well, Ugh, and Golden State doesn't look too good, even though last night. And Draymond already mentioned he's not motivated by the play-in game. Homie, did you see how they are just not guarding him at the three? Like they are putting yeah, it's no, like Tony Allen treatment. Totally. Like we were talking about Draymond and Tony Allen going back and forth. Now, literally, Draymond is getting the same experience. He's on an island, homie. Like yeah. on an island. Nobody is in ten feet from him and passing it. Still, and he's still, still passing. <laughs> he could take a dribble in and shoot a free throw every time he could and they would let him do that they guard Zubak better at the three than, they, <laughs> than they're doing Draymond anyways back to what you're saying so Sorry. the the thing that I was that I was trying to make a point about was that Van Gundy uh clearly fucked up in the beginning of the year and I still think he's stumbling through this he, he doesn't I I don't think him or Griffin could foresee how bad this was going to go as a head coach who has all this experience, uh, especially experience with big men, young big men, 
And Zion is not, it's not something that Van Gundy's ever seen before. Nothing he's ever coached before. This is a whole new generation of player. And obviously Zion is a whole nother level of that. And it just makes so much sense to just be like, here's the ball. Go do make something you, happen. Go do what you do. Mm-hmm. Nobody can stay in front of you. And if they do, you're just going to power through them. Like we've seen countless times already this season and dunk on everybody. Uh, so now I do think it's, it's nice that, that Van Gundy and the, and you know, the front office and whoever it was that said, let, let, let's get Zion the ball and have him bring him up because nobody can stop this guy. And who knows? I mean, maybe, maybe they make a little run, uh, and, and get into the playoffs. This also brings up a question to me though, like this topic, what is the 10 seed worth really? Right. We're getting into this part of the season where it's like decision time for a lot of these teams that are 12, you know, 11 through 15, obviously the 15, the very, very bottom have no chance, but the teams that are like the Warriors, the teams that are like the Pelicans in that 10, 11 spot, what is a one game play in going to do for your franchise? As opposed to trying to tank and get a better pick in the but, draft, but they're making it so tanking doesn't benefit you. As no, much the percentages. Yeah, now it's the top three have the same exact uh, chances at winning the lottery, right? So yes, it doesn't pay off to be the worst team, but it pays off to be one of the three worst, essentially. Uh, and even still, more likely, you know, the, the the lower that you get in the rankings, the, the higher the chances are that you get a lottery. And we've seen it time and time again every year. One of those teams that finishes not at the very bottom will always they always creep up somehow or another except except for the Knicks they always creep up to the top you know one two three or four lottery picks I just think that the Pelicans the Warriors teams in those situations they just really need to evaluate what does one play in game mean to the organization for this year and what it might mean for next year because if you are still trying to do that thing to get into the play in spot What's the what's the benefit? All right, so the benefit to me is on both sides. Like the NBA wants to see Zion and the Pelicans in the playoffs. We want to get that other game. And and a lot of these players, Drew, they're they're incentive based. If you make it to the playoffs, you get an extra two hundred and fifty K. There you go. Or hundred and fifty K or whatever it is. And the people players like, the players I'm not necessarily calling into question. The players I always think they're gonna want to win. I do think that in their nature, they're competitors, they want to win. They don't want to lose. No. I'm talking about the, the decisions of the front office and the head coaching staff. To say no, let's actually let's actually try and compete for this for this ten seed. I, I don't, don't see how you don't say that to your to your team. And again, like I I think if the Pelicans get it, like they're hitting their kind of a stride right now, right? So Lonzo's shooting well, Ingram is Ingram, Zion's turning out to be this phenomenal player. Like if they saw a random, say they saw Phoenix, right in the in this first round or whatever, they they might be able to beat him. And Phoenix is playing crazy, playing really well. And and. You know, to say Steph doesn't want to make the playoffs is something I, I will not say. I agree. He's disgusted with his team. He said it. Like, this should sting. These losses should sting. But it's also kind of – it's on you too, Steph. Like, you're the franchise player. You're you're the guy that's supposed to hold it on the shoulder. And, again, he had a great game I last night. I think he's night. doing that. He's trying. He's trying his best, yeah. right? But I, I, I want to see the Pelicans. I think there is something to play for to make that play-in game and have the – now, are the Pelicans going to win the championship? No. Right. They're not. But, but I, I think that's just the, the bigger question, though. And I do think it's a question that all of these GMs in the bottom 10 teams are, are having to, to really look at themselves and say, like, what, 
what is the benefit of, of going into the plan and what's the benefit of us tanking the rest of the season and trying to get the best possible draft pick? I'm looking at like Sacramento at the 12 spot. Like these guys need to make the playoffs and they want to make, they haven't made it in a while, dude. Right. And they have all this talent and they're, they're in the 12 spot at 22 and 29. So they're right there with new Orleans. They're a half game back of new Orleans. So I think that th- that bottom half, and again, drew, like there's so much talent in both, you know, the East and the West that a lot of these teams, it's just, it's just a shame that, you know, San Antonio and New Orleans are in the West right now with all these great teams that are playing. And that's, that's another thing is like the standings aren't moving because everybody's winning. You know what I mean? Like for the, the Lakers. Ex- well, I mean, what are they? The Lakers got a are, wins. the Lakers are four and six uh, yeah. in their last 10, right? right? Yep. So, but your next 10 are like you yeah. mentioned earlier are going to be tough. It's going to be a tough road for the Lakers, but I don't know. I just, to me, I understand. I, I, I want to commend the NBA for including the plan. I mean, we saw a great version of that one game uh, in the bubble, which was awesome to watch. And I do, I'm excited for those games. I just think each team needs to evaluate whether or not it makes sense for them to be in part of that uh, or not. And to be quite honest, what is one game? What is one play-in game do for your franchise? It's going to be a hard-fought game, though. That one game you would you would assume it's not like you don't have the luxury of like, well, we have seven of these. We might be able to have seven. We got to play our asses off this one game. Um, who was in the play-in last year? Was well, it? It was Blazers and, Blazers? and, and Memphis. Memphis, that's yeah, who it Gri- was. Grizzlies, Grizzlies, Blazers, and the Blazers were the hottest team in the league going into that uh, play-in game. So I, you know, Memphis missed out, and they just and also Jaron Jackson was out. But anyway. I'm excited that we have the play-in stuff. I'm, I'm very much looking forward to those games because it is going to be like kind of a one-and-done atmosphere, uh, similar to the way that we saw the, the NCAA tournament play. And I think it's a really smart move uh, for the league. It, it will be interesting to see if, the, if something like this happens. right Because right now, the Warriors are in the 10 seed. So mm-hmm. if they're going to go up against the 7 seed, which is Dallas. the Dallas Mavericks, mm-hmm. in a you know Dallas has to win one or Warriors have to win two, that could be awesome. And and but I just I firmly believe also that the Warriors are in a lot different position as a franchise than the Pelicans. I guess that's what I'm trying to say. Um, I know you have a Kyrie take that you want to say from a game you watched the other night. I want to bring something up really quick and kind of just pat pat ourselves on the back in our basketball news network. Uh, Kenyon and Jadakiss were on the jump. Kenya is part of our basketball news network with neat and unfiltered. They've been putting out a whole bunch of content. Rex Chapman's show is pretty awesome. But anyways, they were on the jump with Rachel Nichols. And we got to hear her say like from the basketball news podcast network. I thought that was really dope. Yeah. Shout out to them. Clips and drew and the basketball news network. We're riding uh, coattails. Baby. We, hey, it's okay. I love it's it. Okay. That's it's okay. It's a great we, coat. That's where we need to be at. That's a great coat. Okay. So a lot of talk about the nets. You have something you wanted to bring up. Uh, regarding Kyrie and a game yep. that you watched against, I think it was the Knicks, right? Yep. Right. Yep. Their most recent game, uh, the game that James Harden wasn't able to play in because of the hamstring issue. Um, Kyrie absolutely dominated mm. 40 points in that game. That left floater that he has now is something of beauty, right? Yeah. I mean, his whole offensive package is just, it feels like a video game. Like when I watch him, it does. It feels like somebody's controlling him and making the spin moves and the and the crossovers and hang time as he's finishing in the rim. And he hit he hit a dagger at the end, a three pointer that was just so cash. Uh, but there was there was one one thing that stood out to me. What was it? Some of you may recall, especially if you're a Boston Celtics fan, uh, back when Kyrie was on Boston and they played Milwaukee, uh, his last year there playoffs in the playoffs. Right where they got they got mopped up. They were just terrible. And Milwaukee just ran through them. 
but there was a couple occasions, I think maybe even in the, in the very last game, where Kyrie waved off other defenders and tried to, to guard Giannis <laughs> himself. And this is a weird thing. Uh, it happened again last night where Kyrie, running the show, no Kevin Durant, no Harden, no Harden so he, he puts the team on his back, and he did that, and, and he won the game for him, which was awesome. But against Julius Randle, <laughs> several times, several times in the second half, decided to go rogue, wave off LaMarcus Aldridge or Claxton or whoever was in the game at the time. Uh, like I said, it happened multiple times over the course of the game and decided to just body up, <laughs> go one-on-one against a 6'10 Julius Randle uh, who had a triple-double um, and didn't shoot the ball very well in the second half, but still hilarious. Needless to say, I think this is Kyrie's way of like showing machismo yeah he's like mm-hmm. he's he's masculine mm-hmm. like this is him being like nah nah i got i got Randall. i got i got Giannis. i'm <laughs> i'm gonna stop this guy and and to be fair there was actually two or three of those possessions where he did that where he caused some problems for randall and like deflected the ball uh, big, big men don't like little guys guarding them. little little strong dudes i and i agree with that but it was ridiculous. It's a ridiculous idea. Like, you have LaMarcus Aldridge. You have these guys. And Julius Randle, like I said, wasn't having the best shooting night already. But it did. It just, it just brought something up in my head where it's like, in the way that Kobe would do that, mm-hmm. where he would just like get that, you know, that face, the Mamba mentality face, uh, and just be like, I'm, I'm locking down your best player. I do think that Kyrie thinks of himself in that way. But it's ridiculous. Which is okay. Like It's okay if you think like that, Total, right? I do think that like, while this is a regular season game against the Knicks, if he tries that shit in the playoffs like he did for Boston, that's going to be a catastrophe. Because what it did do, while he may have caused some problems for Julius Randle while he, Julius was trying to dribble, it threw off the whole defensive rotation. Right. If I'm LaMarcus, I'm like, well, why am I here then? Uh, yeah, I have to guard Alfred Payton now? Yeah. <laughs> I got, okay. Where's Payton? Where's Alfred Payton? I don't know where he is. And so then Julius was able to swing, 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 you know, and then they were able to get, you know, pretty decent looks out of that because Kyrie just, as the ball was coming up, was like, no, 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 no. I got Julius. <laughs> I just think that maybe Kyrie only does these in these moments where he's the only one as a way to be like, I'm your leader. I'm mm-hmm. your guy. This is his way of showing leadership. But it also kind of can undercut the rest of the team while doing that. Let, needless to say, I don't expect him to do that frequently. Uh, I would I would be shocked if he does it in a playoff series. Um, but it is something that's entertaining and something to look at the next time he's out there by himself. Because I think when Harden or Durant is on the floor with him, he doesn't seem to, to get that way. Uh, and I know we talk a lot about Kyrie on here, but I think it was after that game he was getting on the bus and – just handed a wad of hundreds to a street vendor out Chicago. there. That was a different game. Was they, it a different game? Yeah, they lost to Chicago, mm-hmm. um, and that was that game because they were in Chicago. And Kyrie just said he had his walking stick, and he walked past a group of fans and handed it. didn't even get any food from him. And then I guess supposedly there was a there was a kid there that was like crying to meet him, and he came back to like yeah, meet stop, the kid. Stop the team bus. That's just so crazy. And he is a good dude. Like this guy does a lot of stuff, but it's just weird Stuff like that, like wanting to guard Randall. And again, I've seen it all the time with Pat Beverly, but Pat Beverly is a defensive specialist. That's what he does. Like, that's yeah. what he does. Yeah. And he, he loves doing that, and he does it the whole game. And right? he's also like well-versed in that. Like He knows how to do that. Right. And uh, not to say that Kyrie doesn't know how to play defense, 
but it is a lot different. Uh, and and you want you want Kyrie scoring forty. Yes. You don't want him having to guard Julius Randle, especially when you got Claxton and you got Aldridge there to to guard the big man and so, Jeff Green. Like yes. they you know they have plenty of depth now as we've as, they ever, have depth. as everyone has covered they have depth. Drew, <laughs> seriously, I didn't even know that. Yeah, they have a little bit of depth now. Hey, uh, you got anything else? Um, I do. I have one other thing. Oh, we have a marquee matchup. The number one Utah Jazz oh, Phoenix. play the number two Phoenix Suns this evening. Is who, that tonight? Who do you have? Utah, bro. <laughs> Utah. I have We're, the Suns. We don't. You you love the Suns, man. I'm taking the Suns. Okay. And here's why. Tell me. They have won six in a row. Okay. The game is in Phoenix as well. Um, and I believe they have fans in, in Arizona there. Uh, but I also think this is a game where Chris Paul's leadership and uh, kind of a statement to say we're actually just as good, if not better, than this Utah Jazz team. The Jazz are coming off of a loss, which might not be good for Phoenix because they're probably going to be pissed that they just lost the game. But uh, I I do think this sh- this should be a very, very good game. And again, who fucking knows? Like, there probably is going to be three or four guys that aren't going to play <laughs> that we don't expect that are going to be scrapped for some reason. But I'm hopeful that that marquee matchup for the NBA, for the product of the NBA, that we get all five of the starters playing for both sides. And I, I hope it's going to be a competitive game. Utah's lost one. Phoenix has won six. They're both nine and one in their last 10. Yep. So I think that you're right, Drew. This is going to be a big game. I forgot about that. Mm-hmm. Too. All right. Um, check us out on basketballnews.com. You guys, you guys know the spiel. Neat and unfiltered, Kenyon Martin and Jada Kiss. The Pose cast, James Posey. We got Alex Kennedy. We got Spencer Davies keeping at 94. The Dunker Spot with Nikias Duncan. Of course, the follow through with Clips and Drew. And we're ghosts. Shout out to Baylor. You know what it is. You know what it is. You know where you're at. This is the Pose.